1: And before we get started this week, I just wanted to bring you a couple of housekeeping items. One thing that you'll hear us talk about in this episode is some of the ways that Stephen and his wife Dora have found to suck their budget in during the current moment of financial uncertainty. And he texted me after this episode was done and said they actually found out that their car company was willing to require no payments for three months they were able to downgrade their phone plan and insurance for their business will be adjusted down because of the decrease in revenue. There's also a government program for small business where employees who have lost childcare and up to two thirds of their normal income will actually be able to apply for a credit for the amount of lost income that will be given back to them when they file taxes. So if that's useful to you, then that's just a little bit more color to fill in the conversation that Stephen and I had here. Also wanted to tell you, this episode is a sponsored episode. Um, Outpost Advisors is the company that we often talk about here. It's the financial advising firm that we started really as a result of conversations with people who were reading Abraham's Wallet. And I wanted to say that if you're a family that's been hit really particularly hard by the financial difficulties that our country is experiencing right now, maybe you've lost a job, maybe um, you've experienced a big downturn in some of your your assets, head over to outpostadvisors.net, click the button that says schedule a call. You may be in absolutely no position to hire a financial planner right now, but I would love to just offer a Uh, conversation to you if there's any way that I could be helpful with zero expectations of you signing up uh, as a client if that's not where you're at. Uh, No problem. I really do want to make myself available to everybody who listens to this podcast for those purposes. If you're a family that hasn't been struggling, I do find that sometimes a big market upheaval like the one we're in the middle of right now is a fantastic time to kind of step back, Make a plan for the long term so that next time we go through bumps in the road, as we're guaranteed to do, you have a plan to look at and feel comfortable that you know where you're headed financially. So if that's you, also feel free to head over to the website and schedule a call and it might be a great time while you're at home. Maybe you have a little bit of extra time to go through a, a formal financial planning process and really get a plan hammered out for your family. All right. Now we're going to dive into an episode Stephen and I wanted to talk about the topics of hope and optimism and we hear a lot of, of negative news out there in the in the media um, from our friends right now and I think this was a great conversation to counteract some of what you're hearing and even to challenge you to take a position that is hopeful and optimistic going forward even in the middle of a difficult time Well, happy Wednesday, gentlemen. We're coming to you with a podcast that I hope will be fantastic. Yeah, good hope. What are we going to talk about, Stephen?
0: Well, have you ever taken Valium, Mark or No. Any kind of sedative sleep aids?
1: Um, my wife tells me there's one that I'm allowed to take once in a while. But it's really weak. I don't remember what it's called. Oh,
0: uh, okay. There's one called Alteril, which is a good, safe thing. It it's got tryptophan, melatonin, and something so, uh, just really all the natural things in them in it. That's what Peb used to slip
1: my way Anyways, sometimes. It's just on my mind. Sometimes I take a little of the CBD oil. Oh, I know you do, but I don't think it helps me fall asleep. It just helps me once I fall asleep have really weird dreams.
0: Oh, good. Well, usually
1: they're, usually they're pretty good dreams, but they're always memorable.
0: Well, in a completely unrelated note, what I wanted to kind of discuss a little bit was um, hope and optimism today. Because it feels to me like... Um, it feels like there is... Um, a real difference right now among voices who are either truly at peace, truly content, truly confident, and optimistic, and people who are either sort of angrily saying, you know, and cynically saying, you know, you people need to wake up because this is real bad. There's real trouble out there. And I don't know what you... Pollyanna freaks are sleeping on or the other side of that is people who are also um, they're also concerned but they don't go to anger with it they go to guys we can get through this I know we can make it everybody let's pray together we'll we'll be fine and those seem to come from the same place to me which is just uh, a feeling that the clouds are gathering and everything's coming apart at the seams. Some things are coming apart at the seams, and Hebrews says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken, but um, that's not cause for concern. If you're, if you have the Lord's heart, uh, it's cause for rejoicing um, that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. So anyways, I'd like to talk about that a little bit. I think there's a lot of implications for that, not only in the way that we lead our homes, but even right down to finances, I think that matters.
1: And I think there's a there's a guy listening that's maybe not in either of those camps. That would be what's the, his name? Um, we can call him Chad. But what I what I think is that s- some people are legitimately worried and concerned about what's coming but they're looking for ways to to be optimistic and courageous so they're not in the the thing i've noticed is that when i get text messages or when i jump on a social media site lately it's like there's either people posting positivity or the the way that i can get engagement whether it's personal one-on-one or social is by telling you something more disastrous yes than whatever you know i previously posted so i get a lot yes. of texts right now that are like did you hear that such and such hospital is putting Ooh. old people on the streets Ooh. yeah and a lot of that stuff's actually just made up um i agree with that i've been you know because we're connected to the medical community there's been multiple times where i've been texted a hot update about the horrors that are happening in a given city and i happen to know somebody who's a er doc in that city And i text them and they're like that couldn't be more false um but probably some of these things are true it all comes from the same spirit of like i bet i can get you to like huddle close to me if i tell you something scary enough yeah, and yeah, financially, got... this is a time when there's a lot of things that we could tell each other that are scary, right?
0: Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, the ghost stories are particularly effective
1: right now. It's not just yeah. that we're all gonna be on ventilators in two weeks.
0: Yeah, we. I've gotten a, a, uro- a
1: urologist that lives across the street from me. And a urologist can tell some horror stories in normal seasons of life. <laughs> That's true. Um anyways, I,
0: I, I've asked and so man, and I'm trying to be sensitive and trying to be sympathetic. I go, whew, man, what's a hospital like? Everybody like getting trained for like whew, emergency time? Is it is it so scary? Um and the answer I get is, uh, well, it is scary, but not because there's a lot of people coming in with disease. It's scary because they shut everything down, and so nobody's coming in for regular uh, checkups. There's nobody's having scheduled surgeries. Nobody's having anything elective, and all the medical community is starving um, financially because they're they're being shut down by this scare, and and. I I was like, well, but aren't there like a lot of virus cases everybody's dealing with? They're like, nope, not in not in Cincinnati hospitals. Oh, okay. Well, for the time being, I can't speak what the future is or should be, but for the time being, the the, the boogeyman is is clamping down around everybody's throat, um, and I'm not. My point is not to be anti-quarantine. My point is that the kind of fear that seems to connect with all these things uh, is unsavory. We have a great little uh, leadership team here in the state of Ohio. We, we've we watched our governor's um, briefings, and there's this great lady that runs our, our, um, Department of Health in in Ohio. Her name's Amy Acton. I think she's. I think she might be a believer, and, and is and is trying to be undercover about it. Um, but she she'll say she has said in the briefings. I just want everybody to know as we're describing the um, the methods that we want everybody to follow and all these procedures. I just want everybody to know. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid at all of what's going on. We're going to follow these measures and we're going to come out and the world's going to be better on the other side of this. I just want to tell everybody I'm not afraid. So in my world, um, uh, being afraid and honoring the government's uh, quarantine recommendations are not mutually exclusive.
1: So that's my intro. That's hot. I like our okay. our COVID nineteen lady too. She's been reassuring and stable throughout this, but she's never said anything quite as direct as yours.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I would like to make a general, a little general, biblically teaching on hope here, and then we can we can uh, make some applications to it. Um. I'm just going to pull out a couple of verses, and we'll just make some observations about them. Um, First of all, regardless of the times that we live in, whether we live in what you would quote, I'm putting quotes around this, living in good times or bad times, whether you feel like you're living in times of prosperity or um, times of less, as Paul said, I can get by with um, being provided for, and I can get by with lean times. Regardless of the times that we're in, the nature of the character of the people of God is to be optimistic and hopeful about the days ahead. So uh, let me back that up. Romans 5 5 says, Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The love of God has been poured into our hearts. We know scripturally that love and the joy and peace that we have in the Holy Spirit is not dependent on external circumstances. And this hope that we have from the Holy Spirit, again, I'm quoting Romans 5.5, 5, that hope does not disappoint. So <clears throat> the, the criticism that that it's foolish to be hopeful because it's Pollyanna and you'll be disappointed in the long run. That doesn't stick biblically because the hope that we have in the Lord does not disappoint. It's a question of what you're putting your hope in, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, Listen to this verse. I'm talking about being hopeful and optimistic no matter what times you live in. So you might think, well, it's inappropriate to be optimistic during these times. Well, listen, 2 Peter 3.12, 2nd Peter 3.12 says, as you look forward to the day of God and you speed its coming, that is, I'm looking forward to the Lord's return, and I'm doing everything in my power to encourage his return sooner. That is, I'm praying toward it, I'm fasting and I'm asking for his for his revival. I want him to pour out his spirit. I'm sharing the gospel. I want people to know him. And as you look forward to that day and you speed its coming, that day that we're talking about, the one that we're looking forward to and speeding its coming, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. The elements will melt in the heat. So boron is going to melt in the heat that's coming because the destructive power of God will be poured out with such fury that elements will melt. And, and, and we're looking forward to that day. So that sounds crazy if your life is based upon comfort and being able to run out to Starbucks and sit with your friends and going out to dinner. Um, Does that make sense what I'm saying? About their, if you're looking, if your hope and your optimism is in the Lord and His coming kingdom, it's always appropriate to be peaceful, hopeful at all times, no matter the circumstances, according to that verse. Because this is a verse most people know, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, verse 7 says, Love bears all things. I mean, it can go through anything, it believes all things. Does that sound Pollyanna to you? It does, doesn't it? It sounds like gullible. Love believes all things. I mean, it has, has it endures faith no matter what's going on. It hopes all things and it endures all things. So, regardless of the season, we we we're supposed to have this color of optimism among God's people. Thoughts?
1: So, my first reaction to this, Stephen, is that Paul is writing to a community that is in pretty significant conflict with the surrounding people. So the Romans did not, and the Greeks did not appreciate the presence of the (coughs) early church. Um, No. And, you know, I had to take a quick break there and go to Wikipedia to make sure I was right about that. But, um, in the midst of, Kind of culture that was using or about to be using Christians as street lamps, we still get these optimistic, uh, hopeful instructions. And to me, one of the most interesting things that you pointed out, maybe in the last podcast or two, was that we're actually commanded to do these things that I think for me I have always felt like, well, hopefully I feel hopeful. And I hope mm-hmm. I don't get afraid. Like yeah. It's kind of like I've always thought, well, that would be a nice thing if I'm Side not effect. afraid. Right. But it totally changes the, the ball game when you say, I will obey the command to be hopeful and I will obey the command not to be afraid. Right on.
0: That's right. So
1: um,
0: if, if we're, if we're going to submit to God's instruction that my people are going to be hopeful, they're going to be optimistic, then you can make all sorts of applications to that. Um, my, my daughters are studying their tails off right now. We're, we're on lockdown, nobody's looking over their shoulder exactly, but man, they, they're doing a lot of work um, for school. and. If you think the world's coming to an end, you think we're never going to go back to school, no one, no one will ever give them a grade again, then you won't, you won't think that way. You'll think, well, why, why would they be working? Oh, no, just don't do it. Uh, it's a waste of time. You're never going to get a grade, so what's the point of studying? Um, you can make that application in, in all kinds of ways in your life. So I would say the most challenging way that we have to, to pivot under our house is um, financially and with our business. And we talked about this last time. But um, is my expectation that the event uh, industry is gone and will never come back? If, that, if that's my expectation, <clears throat> then I guess I could sit on my hands and cry or I guess I could try to get better at e-commerce uh, because that's all that will be existing in the future. Or you can go, no, no, no. We have a hopeful expectation of the days to come. So gosh, well, actually, we have an incredible opportunity that we never could have designed for ourselves. And that's time for us to tune up and get trained and um, <clears throat> be thinking about our offerings and be thinking about our sales opportunities and uh, be considering what's going to be coming up. If we, if we assume, well, the summer's going to be great and businesses are going to be coming back online, they might want to be celebrating. Wow. How can we market to those people, et cetera, et cetera. What can we be doing now to, to, to do low hanging fruit marketing, et cetera, just changes your perspective on what you're doing. So. I think that has offshoots into the kind of work you do around your house. I mean, there's—I know that everybody's got home projects to do, and if you think, "Well, we're never going to have any money again, the sun will never come out again," I don't, just don't think life's going to be very fun from this point forward. Well, it's going to change what you do with your time. So I, I think that we should just repent of the of the hand wringing and we should come back to the Lord and say, "God, no matter what happens." you're going to reign, and your your purposes are going to come out in the end. And I praise you for that. And so let's go, you know.
1: Yeah, I think it – I can't think of an area of life where this pause isn't an opportunity to do exactly what you said. I was thinking about it in regard to – even like sports today, and was like, well, I don't have the whole gym at my house, but I have had a nagging sore hip. Maybe I take the next three, four weeks and and fix that, do some physical therapy, you know? Um, because I someday I'm going to be able to go back and do the things I want to do. Um, even financially, it's like if I believe that we're in lockdown mode forever now. I guess I'm going to go find fixed income and cut our budget to whatever that provides and assume we're, we're done. But we've actually said, no, this is an opportunity to give strategically on some of the things that have dropped in value. Like we can go rebalance our portfolio and do some giving out of that and not pay any taxes. So there's opportunities like that everywhere, Uh, you know, go to, we're not going to do it, but we could go down the five capitals and say, Well, relationally, I can't go and meet with friends like I normally would, but I might be able to reconnect in ways that I wouldn't have if I, you know, I was talking to some guys, we did a little Zoom happy hour the other day. And one of them said, this has actually resulted in more connection for me because I normally would just say, oh, I'll see so-and-so when I bump into them and we'll catch up. And now I've realized I have to schedule time with everyone I want to talk to. That's good. So it's. This how-will-you-proceed question is expansive in the ways that we can respond to it.
0: Yes. We, uh, my wife and I sat down and um, she presented a a budget last night for both her business and our household. And we did some brainstorming around it and got really excited, actually, (laughs) because we, we, just realized we she did this in it in 08. I, I remember when it was like, Holy smokes, we have to cut down our expenses! and she went through everything with a fine tooth comb and just realized, Wow, there's a lot of opportunities here! and, anyways, we did some of that last night, <clears throat> and I kind of had a cancellation party where. Airbnbs that we had scheduled through the summer for events that we thought were happening, et cetera. We just started canceling those, getting refunds like crazy. Um, We had, we have sling up and running because we would have assumed March Madness. And I slapped my forehead when she said, why are we paying for sling right now? I slapped my forehead. Holy smokes. There's no sports on right now. Of course we have to cancel sling. Um, Anyways, that was just, it was really fun. We found that our budget, because we did some we did some one-time spending in during um February, which you know that's supposed to be Lodo month, we found that the budget that we can live on starting April one um, is twelve percent lower than the Lodo budget. And so anyways, we're wow. excited about that. And I, it made me think, man, when, when the world comes back online, we just found new investment in giving money because we just found that we don't
1: have to be spending what we're spending. Tell me, tell me what else you found. Anything else exciting? How'd you do it? Um, Well,
0: again, this is the part of the opportunity because everybody's feeling the squeeze. Um, with our landlord, our business's landlord, we had just i mean in in the beginning of uh March, we had just signed either a three or a five year lease and locked us <laughs> locked us into rates that seemed competitive but now just seemed like a massive anchor around our necks because we have no income um, so she um called the landlord she didn 't email him, but she called the landlord and just started describing her business, which he didn 't really understand and said i i don 't want to default on my um, lease i don 't want to do you wrong but listen we're our our income is zero right now, and so i 'm asking you for some kind of negotiation if we can go back to month to month, what can we do and the guy was she was really surprised um he was really understanding he also owns restaurants and he he said man i totally <laughs> see where you're coming from my the our landlords for my restaurants i need them to be gracious and understanding right now and i want to be that way with you so what i'm considering is and then he's, you know he rolled out uh, a number of concessions he was willing to make like what if i just freeze um, taking your rent for six weeks. How would that go? Um, that'd be really good, et cetera. How about if I gave you six months of a reduced, of a reduced, um, rent until you, your business can back, get back on its feet, whatever, just started brainstorming what, what he could do. Well, wonderful. Yes. Thank you. So there are things that we have thought of as fixed costs that, um, that are negotiable, so we just bought her a car, uh, my wife' a car for her work.
1: An just expensive an, car, like a economy car.
0: It wasn't an economy car. Um, it's funny that you ask that, Mark, because it wasn't an economy car. Um, and we contacted the dealership and said, "Look, we we had signed up. I think we wanted to." we wanted to pay it off in three years out of earnings. It's advantageous for us tax wise to do that. And she, I think she went to, she went to look them up or something. She went to look them up last night on the internet and they had already put out a message saying, Hey, we are totally happy to, um, refinance, uh, your car and rates are really good right now. And there's, they either had their fees at zero for refinancing or whatever. So suddenly, again, these things that we have thought of as fixed costs, they can, they can decrease.
1: Um, what was, what were some other things? Were Um, you able to return the, uh, the basketball court?
0: You know, they would not come and put the concrete back into the truck. Um, (laughs) so that fixed cost is not going away. Um, but as i think i said uh earlier my dreams of making it all fabulous and finishing steps down to the treehouse, and i mean i i want i wouldn't mind professionally painted key and three-point line on my basketball court etc all that's just gonna wait and so there are there are monthly costs that we have like we have a, a line item for home maintenance or something along those lines. Um, all of the girls' stuff, all the stuff that we pay for monthly for our kids, gymnastics, um, dance, um, instrument lessons, those all went to zero. And they weren't zero in Lodo Feb because they were taking lessons, but they're all zero right now. Um, we're going to get a refund on softball season because we put down a deposit on softball season. We're going to get that back. And anyways, so we're, yeah, like I said, we're going to be lower than Lodo.
1: Awesome. Um, so we kind of got into what what optimism means in terms of why would we be these crazy people who yes. are optimistic one thing that came to my mind is that you, you mentioned at the start there's these two camps there's the the pessimists and the optimists and the yorkshire terriers sorry yeah
0: there um, are
1: the yorkshire terriers. but the the uh The word says in Ephesians 429, it says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear, that it may give grace to those who hear. And I think that we have a role not only in our own brains to be hopeful, but to also be builder uppers in times like this. Because like I said at the start, there's not, it's not easy for everyone to be completely optimistic right now. Um, you know, I, I have a hunch that there's moments in your home where you guys go, okay, we're going to be optimistic, but we're still a little curious about where the oh, yeah. is coming from. I mean, in my house, my wife's going to a hospital every day. They don't have adequate gear should things heat up. And no. the lovely hospital just said, oh, by the way, we're going to cut all of your pay quite a lot because you're not seeing enough patience. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, okay, um, I'm going to choose to obey through some of this, but I could use some grace from those who are speaking to me. And what I've noticed is, like I've already said, there's a lot of people who want to do the opposite. And this is just as prevalent inside of the church as it is outside right now. Are you noticing that that there's more worry
0: that there's as much worry inside the church as outside?
1: Yeah, and that it seems to be a way to get some attention right now is to oh, without it. question. Yeah. So maybe the opposite of optimism and hope is cynicism, and I would call that you know corrupting talk isn't just dirty jokes. That's right. It's also cynicism.
0: Yeah. Totally. What a great insight. Yes. We always think of filthy and unclean talk as only being dirty jokes, which it is. But filthy and unclean talk is that which
1: <clears throat>
0: is that which sullies. So whatever sullies your faith, look at the look at the fruits of the spirit. Whatever sullies your loving people is filthy and unclean talk. Whatever sullies your peace is filthy and unclean talk. Whatever sullies your patience with someone else is filthy and unclean talk. That's why running down somebody to somebody else is is so dirty before the Lord, because it it diminishes their ability to love them and to be patient with them, etc. Yeah, and the kind of stories that we're telling one another— it does seem that the more alarmed you can be the more cachet you get i mean i think we're both on twitter i i just saw the governor of michigan today just losing it and so the the video of her losing it gets passed around everywhere see what a passionate what a passionate leader she is i'm thinking this is a person who's not in control of her world, she's not engaging in optimism or peace or hope or love or whatever. Um, yeah, and it seems like the louder that you can scream that the, that the sky is falling, um, the more play you get. And we, we're just not going to do that, men. We, our goal is not to be heard. It's not to get a platform for ourselves. I realize I'm talking on a radio program, basically, when I, do, when I say that. Um, but We do want you to hear get, us. <laughs> my, my goal isn't to have as many people possible listen to my voice and take my advice. That is not my goal. I simply want to find the men that need the kind of stuff that the Lord is giving us. That's all I, that's all I want. Um, so, yeah, no corrupting talk coming out of your mouths. We've never really, I don't think we've covered this point blank around here, but running down um, government officials and running down leaders and authorities, that is, not, that is not the way for the people of God. It's just not what—it's not what we do. It's not what Daniel did. It's not what Paul did. It's not what Jesus did as you said, even in the midst of horror happening to Christians. Christians just don't spend their time bellyaching about the way they think government should be run. We're not not government runners. We don't run governments. So we concern ourselves. We get low to the ground. We concern ourselves with the state of our hearts before the Lord. We keep an eye on the culture of our homes, and then when anybody interfaces with our homes, we give them love and encouragement and truth, and that's all we do. We, we, we just don't concern ourselves with things that are, as, as David said, too lofty for me. And um, there's a lot of corrupting talk that's been happening for years now um, around around politics as if politics have anything to do with our spiritual lives or they would change our peace before the lord or our hope or anything it's just this nonsense.
1: It goes back to what we talked about two, two episodes ago when we talked about how we're so unused to not having control in our culture that we are immediately reaching out and grabbing for somebody to blame and we say if we can just fix this it'll go away. Um, and I see people doing that on both sides. And my hope is that this podcast would be just an encouragement to the guys who are listening to say, I don't have to reach out and hold up a, a you know, political figure as the cause for my current um, yeah debacle. Yeah,
0: yeah. Michael O'Shields talks about trouble and says, we don't know. This Trouble can come from one of three sources. It can either come from the enemy. We know scripturally it can come from the Lord. He can cause trouble. Or it could just come from ourselves and as a result of sin. So there's a the Bible verse that says that um, a sinner is rewarded in, this, in Proverbs 20-something. A, a sinner is rewarded in this life for his sin. So... Can come from many of the sources. And according to Michael, um, you don't ever get to find out which one it was, usually. You don't get to find out what was the source of it. But what you know is the enemy has intentions when trouble comes along. You know that the Lord has intentions when trouble comes along. And you know that you have an opportunity when trouble comes along. And the opportunity is to humble yourself, to praise the Lord in the midst of it and ask him to deal with you and so we don't have to work we we so want to know who the to put the blame on that we that's all we concern ourselves with that that's not actually our problem at all our problem is how will we respond to what we've been given and what we're supposed to do humble ourselves praise the lord worship him in the midst of trouble and ask him to deal with us you're like, wow! I really have a problem with this, God. Would you please deal with me so that I could be, so I could bear the peaceable fruit of righteousness? Because I'm not really bearing that right now. I'm not at peace. I'm all wrought up.
1: Um, Repentance is a great tool in your tool belt for that one too. Um, I'm not going to stop yeah. beating the drum until the current coronavirus scare is gone. But um, personally, it's been the number one positive. Uh, action plan in my house is when we feel scared what can we identify that we've been agreeing with and repent of so that's great
0: totally agree and by the way if would you like to get laid tomorrow night saturday night great then what you should do is do some planning have a romantic night in the basement you could set up set up a tent in the basement and then put lanterns in the tent and figure out a way to get a mattress in there and make your wife dinner and figure out how to get the kids to bed and make a special zero-cost evening with your wife that's based on creativity and effort and intentionality and being sweet to her. And... I'm just throwing that out as like I'm, I'm, I'm I was thinking through capitals while we were talking and going, what's the most important relational capital? It's you with your wife. And guess what? She's strung out and sick of being at home and blah, blah, blah. Um, talk about being optimistic and hopeful. Um, to make some efforts towards your wife, it doesn't cost any money. And the fact that you didn't spend any money and yet you were creative and thoughtful, romantic, all that stuff uh, pays it off big time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I'm going to put a, I, I don't put a ton of ads at the start of our podcast, but I'm going to put one on this week's because I I think even when it comes down to people's money, this, for some people, this is a season of absolute austerity. Let's make it through, you know, yes, we're in a business that has been dramatically impacted by this and we're just going to suck it in. But a lot of people are still working. Some of them are working from home. They're experiencing the joys and pains of that. And it can be a really, really good time to sit down and plan out the next 10 years when it comes to your money, which is something everybody should do at some level. Um, and so yes. what I found is that, you know, my, my day job as a financial planner, there's, there's opportunities to help people right now who cannot and should not pay. Um, just by being a, a sounding board and, hey, here's some ideas for you to get through the next three months. But there's also some people who can use this time, um, even the the market environment, to set themselves up really well um, for the next decade or two. Uh, and they should be doing that because we're not like you said, we're not in this environment where now money is worthless and we all just need to to plan for, you know, uh, the book of Eli or, or whatever post-apocalyptic movie you're thinking of. Um, we should be using this time to kind of reload and get ready for the next phase. And that's true about pulling your, your weeds and your flower bed just as much as it's true about... Creating a plan for how you're actually going to take advantage of some of the stuff that's going on, whether that's financially or career-wise or whatever.
0: Okay, well, I'm spent.
1: Yep, my kids are ready to resume making noise in the upstairs. So yes, we'll probably call this a a wrap, guys. The encouragement here is to. Be hopeful, be optimistic, and even just acknowledge that that is a a choice and not a circumstance that you find yourself in. Um, So we commend you to it this week when it comes to your money, your relationships, your expectations for what your time with the Lord is going to be like this week, your marriage, etc. So go get it, um, and we'll be back either next Wednesday or before. Romans
0: 5.5 5 says, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit given to us. So go with that, fellas. For Age Wallet, I'm Stephen Manuel. And I'm Mark Perrin.